I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. I'm Alex Del Sordo. And we have, we have just Eddie. It's Eddie Sauer. Needed to France. Eric Murray. It's Mahi Drysdale. It is Sir Matthew Vinson. Thank you for being here. I'm Alex Del Sordo with Rower's Choice. And uh, this is another podcast interview. And you'll notice that someone is in his mobile office and someone is in his other office. This is not a normal setting for us. Uh, we're shooting from the hip on this one, but we have John Boyd, the head women's coach of Iona College, and this is up in New York. Now, we're going to be talking a lot about New York rowing, a lot about his whole past from, from stroke one all the way up to where he is today, but also that he does other things outside of rowing, which I love to talk about. I talk about rowing all the time, but sometimes I do enjoy other things. Now, John, thanks for being here, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alex. I'm excited. So, uh, John. You're in your mobile office. I love it. Uh, <laughs> so I ask the same question always, every single time. How old were you? Where were you when you took your first rowing stroke? The, the details behind that are kind of fuzzy. Like I don't actually really recall that first workout too well. Um, it was, I was a freshman at Iona College. I was a walk-on. Um, I did not participate in rowing in high school. Never really heard of it. Um, not a whole lot of rowing going on in Long Island in the 90s that I was aware of. So I was your typical baseball, basketball, mainstream, you know, mainstream sport guy. Um, I got a flyer in the mail, um, mailed to my house, uh, looking for guys to join the rowing team. And I kind of looked at it and absorbed it through the flyer away. Uh, <laughs> but then, but then uh, the boat showed up on campus on club day and, and I'm an incredibly shy person. And uh, I needed my roommate to come with me. And, uh, <laughs> okay. and, and even though it was really my interest, he wasn't an athlete, my, my roommate. It's, it's pretty funny. He did not get into sports at all. Uh, he was a band major kind of guy. And, um, but he came with me to, uh, to practice. And we met some of the guys on the team. And they invited us to kind of come out like that next morning um, ahead of the very first novice practice. And I don't know why we got up at five in the morning to uh, get with these guys, but we did. And I just remember sitting somewhere in the middle of a boat, um, taking a couple strokes that I'm sure were horribly awkward. And um, I remember the coach saying to the freshman guys, hey, we need just just give me two weeks so I can show you the sport. And then from there, just make your decision. And I kind of knew deep down right then and there, even though I didn't know anything about the sport, that I would probably give it four years just because I was an athlete and I didn't need that in my life. Hey, well, hold on for a second, Johnny, because this is funny. Like, I'm 36. You must be close to 40. Is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Think about getting a letter, a flyer in the mail now. Like, imagine getting a flyer in the mail saying, come try rowing. You wouldn't even, you wouldn't even look in your mailbox. I mean, like, it's wild to me how back in the 90s and the early 2000s, that's how we had to communicate to people. I mean, I didn't have a cell phone until 2004. Uh, that's just, that blows my, my mind that a flyer in the mail was the reason you went to go check it out. Yeah, I mean, it was just something, yeah, that's how you communicated. And it was just a yellow flyer that was in the mail. And, and I remember, I still, have, I still have a copy of it. It wasn't the original, I did throw it out, but I acquired one later on and it's in my archives. And, um, you know, there's not a whole lot of a lot of information on the flyer. It was just a couple photos, and it just said, "Hey, we travel, um, a 50-year tradition. Come join us." Essentially, is what it was. And um, you know, 
that's that. Yeah, no, no cell phones, no computers, really. I mean, we did use computers, but, you know, same thing. First cell phone didn't really happen until 2001. It was an awesome flip phone. Wish I it had seems, it still. <laughs> it, seems, it seems so much easier back then to have recruited athletes to row. Um, so what kind of boat? I, I'm, I'm trying to picture. This, is, this must have been like 98, 99. What kind of boat was there, like on campus? What kind of boats were you guys rowing back then? Uh, what was the boat on campus? I think it was the brand new four that they had just bought. Um, it was the fall of 2000. Um, they had just bought a, a, uh, it was probably donated. It was a, it was a brand new Vespoli four. Um, I believe it was a racer actually. So it was one of the lower, lower level fours. Uh, but it was a small team and it was brand new and that's what they kind of put up there in slings right in the middle of campus. And and um, the coach at the time, who would end up becoming my, you know, staying my coach for about five, six, seven years, um, I guess what drew me to the sport was that he was a guy that was very similar to me in size. And he explained that he was also a walk-on at the rowing, you know, at Iona in the early 80s. And um, I found that right there inspirational saying, okay, well, this is a guy, clearly he's successful, he's coaching the sport. He kind of looks like me. He's my, I'm looking at him in the eye. Let me give it a shot. And, you know, he explained, you know, being tall is helpful. And, of course, I thought you would have to use your arms. And he corrected me and said, no, it's all about your legs and your back. And, you know, went through all that. And, you know, that's that's how it all started. Now, how much success did you find in, at Iona? Like, what kind of racing, uh, any big moments in your college career that, that stick out to you? Yeah, I mean, for a small team, um, you know, the racing is pretty local. So the guys ahead of me, there were only five varsity guys on the team when I started, maybe six and the, and all but one were sophomores. So the example that they set was more in attitude and not necessarily in winning because they were still young and learning themselves, but I didn't really understand that. And so, um, you know, their results were pretty mixed throughout the year as a varsity four, but as a novice eight, we did pretty well. And all we ever heard about was how well they did as novices. And, you know, they kind of set these benchmarks, like we placed at this regatta or we won here. And, and so we felt like we were trying to live up to them. And, um, but I kind of just assumed wrongly assumed at the time that, well, Iona just does really well at the novice level. And then outside of that, you just kind of get beat up. Um, which is what was going on because they were racing against people much experience, much more experienced. But as time went on, um, when we moved up to the varsity ranks, it took some time to develop. But even with a small team, we started to find some speed. Like we had a signature win in the club eight at the net cup. And, you know, that's a pretty big cross regional regatta with 50 schools. And suddenly we win a gold medal there and like, we're like, Oh wow. Okay. This training kind of works. And, Suddenly we were a little more um, confident in our abilities and the training that the coaches were putting us through. Um, and then the following year, we had a nice, um, a nice showing at the head of the Charles. Uh, 2002 was the inaugural Collegiate Eights event, which I think Hobart won that year, but we weren't too far behind. We placed 16th out of 40 plus boats. And that's a really good showing. And, and we just missed qualifying the next year. You needed 5% of the winning time. We were 5.2 or 5.4, something like that. So, you know, we, we did pretty well. And so those were two, two of the more significant um, achievements that we've had. We've had, you know, we won some uh, local racing too. That was, uh, um, 
like for example, the Metropolitan Championships that we host, like we won it in 2002. And the last time Iona had won, it was way back in 1969. So, uh, you know, we felt good about that. You know, it's funny, uh, John, is that Iona College doesn't really have a national name. And uh, there's, there's thousands and thousands of high school athletes rowing every single, every single day. And I bet you pulled most of them outside of the New York area. They would have no idea Iona was even a thing. Um, and to say that you did top 16 and club eight win at connect cup. I mean, these are, these are good achievements. These are great achievements. Um, now what happens? So you, 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 you're a senior, you say, Hey, you know, coming to an end, you know, four years, uh, where do you take your career from there? Like, where do you start going? Cause there, there's a big gap between that time and now running, you know, the women's team at, at Iona. Um, well, I'd stayed in the sport. When, when I entered the sport in 2000, I've stayed connected every year. Um, so it's not like there was a huge period of time where I wasn't involved in the sport. Um, I, I had done my summer rowing at the New York Athletic Club um, after my sophomore and junior year. I took the senior year summer off to start working and, uh, you know, trying to put my finance degree to work. Um, but that following fall, which would be like my fifth year of rowing, I was rowing full time with the New York Athletic Club. The, Wow. And there was uh, a strong Iona connection there. So the chairman of rowing at that time was Vinny Ventura. Um, he's, wow. a, he's a graduate of Iona College from uh, 1969. Um, my head coach, Kevin Murphy, class of 85, he was a New York Athletic Club guy, you know, captain, national champion, all that stuff. And so so that's kind of like my coaching tree. And um, and they brought me in, taught me how to skull. I didn't know how to do any of that in college. And, you know, kind of the learning process started all over again in that discipline and basically just kept it up there with the New York Athletic Club for a few more years until I made a move down to um, Philadelphia, did some rowing at Vesper for a little while until finally it all came to an end. Um, in the spring of 08, I stopped rowing. And, and after that, kind of jumped right into um, coaching at the high school level. I did one one year at Radnor girls, one, uh, actually really a half year winter into the spring. And then that was that with high school. Uh, I want to talk about, I want to talk about Nyack and, and, um, and Vesper. So, um, historically fantastic, you know, programs. I mean, they're, they're Nyack and, and Vesper synonymous to winning, um, in those, in those five or so years, I mean, did you have aspirations of making it at the highest national level? I mean, were you training year round for this? Yeah, we were training. We were training year round. We had a good group, actually. Um, I would say between the men and the women there, it was uh, 15, 16 of us that were coming every day um, doing the training. Um, yeah, that was that was the aspiration. But I don't think I, I don't really think I knew how to really get to that next level. Um, I'll be honest about that. Like that, that was something that was kind of in the back of my mind, but I wasn't really quite sure um, really the correct path or really even how to make connections in rowing and how to get there. For me, it was just about trying to get as fast as I possibly can um, on the ergometer, maybe turn some heads, show up to like the crash bees or, or any of those kind of things. And and go for it. I mean, the, the most I had ever really gone on, uh, you know, beyond the club level was, um, you know, we entered the trials for the, for the Pan Am pair, you know, one oh, time. Yeah. 
Yeah. That was a particularly tough year. A lot of, a lot of former Olympians in that, in that race. <laughs> I'm uh, you know, you said you want to try to get as fast as you could. What, what was the fastest 2k, 6k um, you ever, you ever achieved? In college, I got to 620. Um, that happened in my third year. And by the time I got out of club rowing, I got down as low as 615. Um, the reason really why I got out of rowing is just I had been nursing like a pretty bad back injury. Um, the summer of 07 was pretty tough. Um, I came back earlier than I probably should have because we trained all year just to row in the summer, really. Yeah, and, right. And I had a bad break there in June and, you know, missed a few races and you know, missed the first race ever in my rowing career that summer. Um, had a really bad nationals in 07, just trying to get down the course with my back. Um, did the Canadian Henley. We won like the 500 meter dash eight, somehow rowing out of 50 with a busted back. Um, and that was really the last, that was really the last uh, hurrah for me. I, I kept training after that, but and the aspiration at Vesper, the goal there was to finally, you know, get into that 6-0 range, you know, get under six, you know, like the guys there were definitely, you know, the company that you needed to keep in order to, you know, achieve those goals. But I just physically was just kind of beyond that point. Um, and, and yeah, the back just kind of, kind of made me come to an end there. <clears throat> the intensity that it takes to go from 6.15 to sub 6.10 I don't think, I mean, there's some naturally gifted rowers out there that are just super strong and, and they don't even worry about that number, but that is a very difficult jump to make from 615 on. Like it's got to become your life, your focus. Yeah. I mean, you're in small company when you're starting to hit numbers like that, you know, like the vast majority of people that pick up an oar, they're not gonna, they're not really going to get down there. So when, when I see kids today, you know, when you, when you scan the, the results at crash B or your local, Grace, it's astounding to me when I see kids who are like under the age of 20 just ripping off a 605 or something like that. It's just, I know. there's a, I just, I, I, I'm privy to some high school scores like practices, and I have a coach in DC that sends me uh, his breakouts. And I don't want to say his name. He's, I think he's like 17 years old. He averaged 136 for five by 1500 yesterday. Unbelievable. That is unbelievable. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, I, I mean, I couldn't do that right now. And I'm training. Um, I'm a grown man. So you did um, Radnor High School. So in 2008, you're, you're floating around Boathouse Row. It's so easy to get sucked into that coaching world, right? Because you're there all the time. It's like a magical place. Uh, why did you want to get into high school coaching? I don't know if I really wanted to get into high school coaching. I was just looking for something to do. I was looking for a job, um, you know. <laughs> I, I wasn't really working because my life was devoted to training. When you're at Vesper, you're at a minimum two day, uh, two times a day, but there were oftentimes three workouts a day. And so at that time I was even working in a gym just so I can get in my, uh, my third workout for the day. You know, I, I figured, you know, if I don't have time to work a nine to five. I might as well work somewhere where I can get a workout in. So that was kind of what I was up to. Um, but then, yeah, I just needed, I needed some work, you know, Philly, you know, I didn't really have many connections there. You know, I'm not a Philly guy. Um, so I just went on row 2k and just started looking around the classifieds and, you know, there's plenty of, you know, plenty of requests for coaching help in, in, in Philly. And so, uh, uh, yeah, did my research. Radner seemed cool. And I, I picked up the phone and got on the phone with uh, Travis Schilling, who was the coach there. And he left for a little while and now he's back running that team. I think that's awesome. Um, and went for it. And 
coaching girls was was a was a fun experience and man that that's a good program they those girls were ready to work they were really successful they produced a um a world's silver medalist that summer um wow. ultimately she won a gold medal like i think the following year and just really good stuff coming out of there they work hard over there well shout out to radner i mean i i I remember as I was at mainland from 2099, 2000 to 2004 and Radner was always up there. You know, we always knew how fast Radner was and a lot of those other Philly schools. So like what, what happens between like that, your first time coaching at the high school level, like what happens to your career to, to this point? So that, that 12, 10, 12 years, like what are you doing in that period of time? Well, um, let's see spring of 08. Um, I went to go spectate at the Dad Vale and, you know, got to show support to my Iona crew. And, yeah. uh, and uh, I just started talking with the coach there. I never met him. He was a new hire. I think he was in year two at that point. Um, and he said, hey, I heard you're moving back to New York or thinking about moving back to New York. And I was like, yeah. He goes, well, we can use some help here. My assistant coach is leaving after this year. Um, do you have any interest in coaching? And And I I did, you know, I did have interest in coaching. Um, I never thought that I would get into coaching at Iona this early in my life. I think when I was on the rowing team at Iona, I was voted most likely to come back and coach because, you know, you could tell I, I was, I was the guy, I was the rowing nerd. I was obsessed over it. You know, I was, you know, tracking everybody's numbers. You know, I was, I was kind of geeking out over rowing in college and, uh, um, but I always assumed it would be something I do later on in life, like come back, be the example that I'd saw before me from other alums, you know, just hop in a launch, you know, grab a megaphone and coach and go home. Um, but he needed an assistant coach. I said, okay. And we ended up moving back to New York that June. Um, didn't really have a plan yet, except for the fact that I was going to coach at Iona college for practically no money. It was no money in assistant coaching, just a couple grand to get you through the year. Um, but you know, it had always been a passion hobby, not a career to that point. And you, uh, so gosh, you've been at Iona since then, since 2009. Yeah. Fall of 09 was my first year working with novice rowing and it was, and I was working with specifically the novice women that fall. Um, you know what? I was supposed to coach the novice men and women, but we didn't have any guys come out for the rowing team that year really strange. I think there was like two guys who showed up and they were both toxins. So <laughs> really nothing to do with the, you know, we didn't have anything for those guys to do really. So they started, you know, we started training them as coxswains, you know, like lower level varsity guys, you throw them in a four or something like that. But I was really there to coach the novice program, but we only had women, which was strange, very strange that year. Um, but I quickly learned the difference between the walk-on women at Iona and what I had left at Radnor. It was a much different scenario. And I learned some lessons right away um, as I continue to do today. That's what's great about rowing. I am always learning. Um, so I, I, I definitely learned um, that it's a process. <laughs> Let's put it that way. So, wow. So what I find funny is you're a rowing nerd. I think most people that we interview here are rowing nerds. We all are. Um, we wouldn't be talking about it nonstop, but if we weren't, but that the fact that the coach that you had could identify you as a future coach. And I think that happens every single year, all the time. I love that coaches in the sport can pick out one or two kids on a team and say, yep, 
that's the guy, that's the girl that's going to be a future coach. Um, so you're making a couple grand as an assistant coach, but what were you doing to put food on the table? Cause you can't just be a rowing coach, assistant rowing coach at that time. What, 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 what were you doing during the day or during the night? So upon leaving Philadelphia, nothing. My job was, my job was coaching. Um, Radner paid better than I own, believe it or not. So I was actually, <laughs> uh, oh, you know what? Another thing I, I kind of forgot when I was in Philadelphia, um, I was working at a fitness studio. Um, it was a rowing fitness studio called the row zone. Hmm. And I don't think they're open anymore. Um, the guy who started it, unfortunately passed away really young um, from cancer. He was only 31. It was tragic. And his dream was franchising and it had started to happen. But then, you know, as time goes on, um, I think it all kind of went away. But I made some really awesome friends and good connections there um, out of the row zone community. And basically, you know, it's, we've seen indoor rowing fitness class. I guess now Orange Theory is doing it. Yeah. Um, you know, Josh Crosby started indoor row prior to row zone. So it was pretty much like a, you know, a knockoff of that. And so I was the first guy in row zone company history who actually knew anything about rowing. The guy didn't know. He just thought the rowing machine was a great way to complement, you know, his style of training. So that was, I guess, my job, uh, my main job. And then I did the coaching at Radnor. When I moved back to New York, I didn't really have anything. I was a finance major. Remember at the time, the market had really just crashed. So it was tough yeah, to get, yeah, yeah. I was working in the mortgage business at the time, um, which was, you know, I was in subprime lending, which, which, uh, you know, caused a disaster. And uh, <laughs> so at the time, my father, actually, my father has been working in the film business his entire life since he was a young man in his twenties. And um, he calls me up and he goes, what are you doing for work right now? And I said, at the moment, I'm looking. Um, and he goes, all right, come on in on Monday. I need some guys to help. He's working on a show called Gossip Girl. And uh, <laughs> so I start, I eventually, I just pretty much start my film career in the summer of 09. And that's when I also started coaching at Iona. So as long as I've been in the film business, I still am. I've been coaching alongside. What are some notable uh, movies or shows that you've uh, worked on or worked worked in? Well, Gossip Girl is one of them. Um, the kids on the team love that one because, uh, you know, the women on the team, they, they find Gossip Girl and, you know, Blake Lively and all that. And uh, uh, Blue Bloods is a big show that I've been on for a long time. Um, and then just like a, a handful of other smaller projects that you probably don't really hear of. But like uh, there was a movie called Clifford that came out, Clifford the Big Red Dog. We worked on a couple of years ago. Um, oh my gosh. It I bought just, that movie. Dude, I, dude, come on. I got three kids. I bought that movie on Amazon prime like three weeks ago. And I've yeah. watched that movie now four times. <laughs> Clifford the big <laughs> red dog, man. That's what a funny. So you made that movie a couple years ago, huh? Yeah. That was the summer of 2019. And you know, when the pandemic started, you know, the release date of that thing just kept getting pushed and pushed. So it finally just came out what a month or two ago. Yeah, no, I, I, it was a, it was a big deal in my household. I mean, it was, yeah. Clifford, they read, I've read that book a million times. I love, <laughs> I love that. I'm going to tell my kids, I'm going to tell my yeah. kids, I'm going to get a kick out of it. Now your name is in the credits, right? I'm assuming. Not in that movie. I got snubbed. Um, you know, I wasn't the, I wasn't the boss on that job. I was uh, second in command. And, and quite frankly, I don't even think my boss even got a, a credit. His <laughs> boss did. So you know, the, the movie studios, they get a little stingy sometimes with who gets into 
into the credits. I have been in credits before, but not that particular movie. So what is what like what's a role that you have on set? Like what are you specifically doing? I'm what you call a grip. So if you ever look at the credits, you'll see often you'll see key grip or best boy grip, something like that. And so the key grip means you're the boss of the group. Um, the best boy means you're second in command. And currently right now I am a, a key grip um, on the construction end of uh, the business um, on a TV show. I'm right now currently on a, um, an Apple Plus TV show called Hello Tomorrow. It's not out yet. We're filming. We're uh, we got about another three or four episodes to shoot before this thing's done. Dude, I love that. I, I get. I love it. I. I. Uh, I've always wanted to be a TV anchor man. So when I get to talk to people who are in the industry and that stuff, I. I. I get a kick out of it. Um, so in, so 2009, you start your career at Iona. At what point do you become the head women's coach? Like when does that happen? That, that that actually came much later. So in between that, um, before that, I became the unofficial head men's coach of the program. Um, I'd done a few years of the novice thing and the coaching kind of took its toll on me and the role that I had there wasn't really satisfying anymore. So I kind of had like a disagreement with the coach at the time, the, the head coach, the same guy who brought me in. Um, it just, I, things, I, and honestly, I can't even really remember what it was. It was so long ago, but I just didn't have the, I think what it boiled down to was I didn't have the creative control that I wanted um, to make it worthwhile for me. Not that I was trying to run the program, but just like kind of my aspect or my section of the program. Um, so I felt it was time to stop coaching. And so I did actually, I, I stepped away um, summer of 2013, but then he called me back and he goes, okay, I think I figured out a solution to our issue here. And so to his credit, um, the coach focused all of his attention on the women's team, which I think was the right move because at that time, women's rowing was moving into that AQ era. And a lot of his focus and attention needed to be on the women's program. And so luckily he had a guy in me who was really passionate about the program and can run the men's team. And so it worked out well for everybody. It worked out well for me professionally. I think it worked out well for him. And at the end of the day, most importantly, it worked out well for the athletes too, because um, there wasn't a lot of mixed messaging going on. So we still ran the program as one team, but we, you know, at least I had a focus. So I ran the men's team and that went on for about another four years or so until the spring of 2018. And that's when kind of like my life changed here and, and rowing and to finally address your original question. <laughs> um, so things got a little rough for the, for the coach and um, the women's program I don't really think they were all on the same page. There, there, there was a lot of um, drama going on. Um, it was just, it was, it was a tough time for the women's program. And there's a lot of reasons why that, that went on. Um, but the coach kind of lost the team. And so he made the decision and I supported him in his decision. And it made sense from where he was and where the team was at that point. It made sense, but he called me up pretty late on a Wednesday night saying, I'm about to send an email saying that we're out. And, um, and by we, it was him. And we had a full-time assistant coach at the time. I was a part-time assistant coach acting as the head men's coach. <laughs> wow. And um, so they left 
you know, right uh, in the middle of the week um, in April, like April 18th or something like that. It was right before a race we had coming up. And so um, at that time I became the interim coach for both teams. And it, that was challenging because I didn't really know all the women on the team. I knew a few, maybe usually just because they had erg scores that stood out. And so I kind of knew who they were, but I didn't really have much interaction with them on a day-to-day basis. And so, you know, we had another five, six weeks to get through the year and, 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 you know, to make our schedules work and was challenging. So, you know, I got them all together in a room and I said, Hey guys, look, you know, I don't know who you guys are yet. We'll, we'll figure that out. I'll learn who you are. And, and, but, it, but I do know rowing and my job right now is to make this as successful as possible and get through the season and we'll learn something along the way. And it was good. Vibes were good. Um, attitudes were good. We got through the season, but then the real work had to begin and the school had to find a new head coach and the interview process went on and um, they interviewed several candidates, um, a few who are now head coaches at other programs around the country. Um, but at the end, um, they never made a hire and it was getting dangerously close to the start of the school year. And so I sent a message to our brand new athletic director. Um, I said, look, uh, doesn't look like anything's happening right now. If you need somebody to step in and do it, I'll do it along with my wife, Melissa. And I had to make sure she was on board before I sent that email, because given the nature of my work and how busy I am during the day, there's absolutely no way that I can run a rowing program, which is a full-time job without the assistance of someone like my wife. And so she was on board. So let's, 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 let, this is, this is pretty wild to me. This was four years ago. And you remember not only the night, but like the day, the time of the, like the month, like, you know, everything of that moment, that impactful moment of when that coach said, I'm leaving that to remember those kind of details, that must've been extremely important, impactful in your life. Like you remember it the was. night, you remember the it was. There, was a lot of, there were a lot of questions, a lot, you know, because the kids didn't really understand what was going on. Right. And so kids started thinking that the program is about to be cut, um, you know, because rowing in a lot of places is, is at the, the bottom of the, the athletic department, you know, it's the least important program. Right. And so when they see a dramatic change like that, like rumors start flying around when a coach just gets up and leaves suddenly. And this guy, you know, he'd been around for like 11 years. So this wasn't, um, you know, some guy who just came in and, and left in the middle of the night. So, you know, something had to be really going on if he, if the only option at that point was to leave. And so, you know, I heard his piece, I heard his story and um, he goes, you know, you do what you want. You know, he was really nice about it. He said, look, you're a great coach. Um, Thank you for everything. Um, But this is what's right for me right now. And I said, okay, understood. And so, you know, the next day was, okay, well, what do we do about it? What are we going, you know, how's this going to happen? And, um, but yeah, a lot of the kids thought that the programs were going to be cut and, you know, it was just kind of chaos. So chaos, chaos happens all through the summer, coming up to the fall. And did, did your wife row? Like, which, does she understand the sport prior to you saying, hey, I think you should be a coach with me? She, she understands the sport better than me. She was a better rower than me. She's fantastic. She, she was a walk-on at the University of Oregon. Um, wow. Very similar story to mine. You know, she... Uh, God, you know, same, same deal. They had a boat set up in the middle of campus and uh, 
she tried, you know, she wanted to, she needed something to belong to at the University of Oregon. And uh, first she kind of looked at the sororities and um, I think she even got accepted into a few of them that she wanted to, but you know, that boat was still there in her mind. And she ultimately was like, well, I think if I were to put my effort into rowing, I can get something out of this in return. I don't know what the purpose might be in a sorority. Like if I put a lot of time and effort into this, what, what's the end goal here, you know? So, you know, like what's the gain? And so she started rowing. And so she did that for three years at the, at Oregon and, um, and, and and then flew out to New York because she wanted to be in the big city. (laughs) I think that's so funny. Uh, Hats off to you for acknowledging that she's the better rower. Um, I oh, well, it's, true. <laughs> it's true yeah like I say this to everyone um my wife also rose and um at the time she was training for the Olympic team and in a boat she is far better than me the only thing I have over her is quite frankly the strength you know because I'm just a stronger guy I'm, I'm, oh, man uh I love that so now this this like fall of 08 or 2018 you say will you do it was it a hard no, hard yes? Was it like, uh, we should we should really think about this? Like, how was that conversation with her? Because that's really difficult sometimes to be working side by side and then have a family outside of that. It, it was, she didn't put up a fight. There was no resistance to it. She loves rowing. Um, she was running her own program at the time, All right. So now Iona was going to become a second endeavor for her. So she was the director of rowing at, Rockland Rowing Club, which is on the other side of the Hudson River from Iona College. And she was running that program with um, with some good success, good, some good athletes there, some appearances at youth nationals, um, some medals at the, you know, the summer club nationals. And um, so she, you know, that was her first real big rowing job, you know, running, you know, being the director of, of that program. Um, so that would mean double duty. And a lot of people often wonder, well, why are you, why, why is she the head men's coach and you're the women's coach? And that's really the reason why, because she was working with a lot of, you know, high school aged women. Yeah. And so, well, I was like, well, I'm not, I'll work with the women. Cause you know, we got to think about NCAA compliance and all that stuff. So she was working with the men and I was working with the women at Iona and she was able to do it. So she would do her practices in the afternoon and then fly over the bridge and, you know, get to New Rochelle and, and work with the Iona team too. And oh also, my gosh! And then she was pulling. She was pulling double duty for you know. She was doing a lot of the administrative stuff for Iona too. Like you know, when you're the head coach, like the assistant. The difference between assistant coach and head coach is is administrative work. That's really what it comes down to. It's a lot, and not to mention everything else is under your responsibility. But like you don't have those administrative tasks when you're, you know, the assistant. You have a few, but not much. And so she was handling her administrative tasks with Rockland and also helping out um, big time with the Iona stuff as well. Yeah, I mean, she's like Wonder Woman. She's doing all the damn work. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, so, you know, it took, it took a little while to, you know, you know, set up like our system, you know, get our system in place of management. That's the thing. Right. Um, and so she was really instrumental in like laying down that framework um, for us. That's, you know, like, Never mind the team. Like, you know, we, we have to lay down the framework for them too, but just for us, just to make sure that, you know, we have a handle on this thing. And she did a beautiful job there. And now we've um, divided up the responsibilities for our strengths. So I like I I like that. I like that they said you gotta you gotta get your system in place for management. I think that's really important for a lot of coaches to understand 
once you set that thing up, uh, it becomes, you know, the routines become easier, right? And so many coaches are so focused on winning, winning, winning when, as I've talked to hundreds of coaches, like setting that up, I've heard that a lot of times, setting up your system is really important. So I want to just um, briefly touch on the size of Iona women uh, in terms of the, like how, how many athletes you have, and then how do you recruit them, right? Again, like you're in the middle of Long Island. I'm assuming you get a lot of locals, maybe even walk-ons like you were and your wife. Like how do you recruit for athletes and how big is your team? Well, we're in Westchester County. So we're north of we're not on the island. We are just north of New York City. In fact, we row um, on a 2,000 meter lagoon, which most of it is in the Bronx. So that's how close we are to the New York City border. Um, I do the recruiting for both programs. I, re I recruit for our men and I recruit for the women. Um, on paper, yes, I am the head women's coach, but we also operate the program with a one team mentality. And so I do coach both programs, um, as does my wife, since she's no longer with the high school rowing at this point. So uh, it's just Iona for her. So we do run the program as a team, as a unit. Um, you know, there's a family atmosphere and it starts from the top since we are family and um, it just spreads that way. So, yeah, I do the recruiting for both teams and, you know, it's New York City. I mean, rowing at Iona. Like the reason why you never heard of rowing at Iona is because I feel like a long time ago, like in the fifties, I think Iona lost its opportunity at that time to really make a name for itself. I've done a lot of reading um, historically at Iona, uh, you know, studying the rowing program. And there was a moment in time where there were, where there were a lot of guys who were really killing it and performing really well. And I just don't think at the time the administration was really, you know, thinking about, you know, what it can do with rowing. Since then, the sport obviously has exploded um, and a lot more colleges are out there doing their thing. Um, so for us, since there hasn't really been a history of recruiting at Iona, we're really telling our story for the first time. And, and it's exciting. Like, I mean, first of all, New York City really kind of sells itself there. So we don't really need any help as far as our location goes. But our school is a small school. So if you're looking for you know, a smaller atmosphere. If you, you know, don't want to really be involved in, you know, big state school where there's 40,000 kids or 50,000 kids, you know, that's the reason why I chose Iona because I knew for me that I needed, you know, that more one-on-one -on -one connection with your professor. I, you know, like I said before, I'm you know, to lead off the show here. Like I am incredibly shy. Like I, no problem talking now because that's the coach muscle working, but, but I need, I needed to know that I can go up to my professor. For me, I know I can get lost in a crowd. And so like, those are the kind of kids that, that choose Iona, people who want that more personal experience. And that's really the same way we operate our rowing program. Our rowing program um, very much mirrors the greater Iona community. It's a very, you know, family atmosphere and, and personal touch. You have any good pizza places around you? Because that'd be my biggest selling point. I would want to <laughs> just go down to the best pizza joint. <laughs> the best pizza place closed a few years ago, but a few more have 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 come up. So pizza is not a problem. The team goes to Jamelli's, which is um, a block or two away. Um, you can find them almost like every other night after practice. I love that. So what kind of uh, 
what's like the ideal uh, female recruit you're looking for? Like uh, aside from someone who wants a small school experience, like sort of what's that urge score range? What's that um, goal oriented person? Like what is, how do, would you describe your perfect recruit? Well, above all else, it's, it, the person has to, has to, has to match the personality of the team. Like, you know, simply speaking, just can't be like a jerk, right? Like we're looking for kids who are nice people who want to be around other nice people, because that's what Iona college is. You walk on that campus and you feel like you're welcome. Right. So culture, culture to me is, is of the utmost importance because when I walked into the program, it was a broken culture. And so we've spent some time rebuilding that culture. Um, so, you know, culture is a word that gets thrown around, you know, pretty liberally, but it's true. Like it was a, it was a bad culture, a little bit of growing pains. And now four years later, there's no like residue from, from that previous culture. Like it is a complete 180 degree turnaround from where it was. And so that is something that I protect fiercely. And I tell all the kids on the team, I will protect this culture um, pretty aggressively. Um, we're, we're pretty, we're pretty, um, you know, I, I, I am selective with who we want on the team and it starts with, with uh, the personality of the person and not so much the ERG score. I will get your ERG down. I'm not worried about that. I don't care if you're pulling 830 from a small club somewhere, you know, some small junior club, or I don't care if you're a 730, it doesn't matter anywhere in between. We'll get you faster. Um, the type of profile athlete right now I'm looking, I'm kind of targeting, you know, those under-recruited kids. You know, we're not Texas, we're Iona. We don't have scholarships. We don't have athletic scholarships. That's something, in fact, that looks like it's going to be changing really soon. I'm really excited about that. We've been doing a ton of work in the background to make Iona rowing um, a much different program. We got new boats coming from donors. We have boathouse repairs coming up. The athletic director has been incredibly supportive of what, we, what it is we're trying to do, trying to understand the sport, learn who we are and what, we're, what we need. And, you know, he's come out and said, yes, we need to get scholarships to this program. It'll help enrollment. It'll help your retention. It'll help improve the, the competitiveness of the program. And so it looks like, no, no, nothing official yet, but it looks like, you know, the high school class of 2023, we can start offering scholarships to talented rowers to come row here at Iona. It's a big moment for you, John. That's a really big moment. It is. It's to see a lot of the things that, um, you know, has been going wrong with the program suddenly, suddenly kind of turn around for us is big. And a lot of that was just doing simple things like the program lost its connection with, with its alumni. And we have a lot of passionate alums. I'm one of them. Right. So there are a lot of people out there like me who, who, even though, four years of rowing was just a blip on the radar screen in our lives is was so formative and you know transformative in their world that I got people coming back and they go what do you need how much can I give like do you need a boat do you need this like like that's starting to happen and all it was was just a simple gesture of just reaching out to the alums I want to repair this relationship you know I know there's been a disconnect I acknowledge that we communicate to our alums as often as we can um, through newsletters. I meet with, um, you know, we, we've established a board of uh, alums at this point and friends of the program. We meet bi-weekly on Zoom. 
um, just to kind of talk about the program and see where we're going. Um, and this isn't just about the men's team. This is uh, the women's team. This is about the men's program too. We're running, we're running a lightweight men's program now. That's where we're putting our focus on. We're joining the IRA this year. We're going to send the lightweight men's four there. We meddled at Vales last year. We're going to continue to, to build where we are. We're just really small right now and we're, we're growing and getting the word out there. John, I have had, I've learned so much about Iona in the last 50 minutes that I never knew was true. I mean, this is wild to me. And I think a big part of what you talked about, the culture and protecting it has everything to do with the fact that you went there. I mean, the kids, athletes are going to buy into that. You know, the alumni are going to buy into that. You know, you're there, you're wearing the hat, you're wearing the program. It's, it's, it's in your blood. This is exciting stuff. John, um, you sold me on Iona. I mean, the fact that you could potentially have 2023 class could see potentially have scholarships, boathouse repairs, new equipment. That's that start of the new phase, man. That's that, that's that uprise. Like the, the, the wave is building for you guys. Um, and the fact that your, your wife works alongside of you and a family, um, that's extremely rare in our sport to have that there and i'm and i and i hope you get along <laughs> and i mean that makes a big deal but uh john thanks for being here man i've had a great time i hope you enjoyed thank it you. too thank you so much i appreciate this it's uh it's been a blast and one more thing before we do go yeah i've heard a few of your podcasts before and you always say i know there's a six degree of separation here somewhere right <laughs> yes and and i and i would think about that and i would say i don't know if i have a connection to Alex. I, I've certainly heard the podcast and I love what you're doing, inviting coaches like myself from smaller programs to, you know, talk rowing. And then I heard the John Bancari interview again. I, I re-listened to it. John's awesome. I know you love him and he's a great guy. Somewhere in the beginning of that podcast, you said my best friend, Justin Callahan. Yes. And I rode um, one summer. He may not even remember me. I don't know, but it was one summer at the New York Athletic Club. I know the um, summer. Yeah, I think it was summer 06. Don't Brent quote Keek, me. So Brent Keek and him Brent. both went to uh, New York Athletic Club, Athletic Club. They had they had made it to the finals in Dad Vale's men's pair at Marietta. And Justin Justin didn't want to go home. He didn't want to go down to Florida. So he went to he went to Nyack. So there it is, man. There's the connection. Uh, and funny enough, <laughs> I was I, it's it's a thing. I believe that I'm connected to every single person in this darn sport. I love it. That is awesome. Uh, anyone interested in Iona College or want to learn more about John and his wife, Melissa, the link in this podcast is going to be there. You can get in touch with him. Uh, and if any of those young high school athletes are under the radar, this is a perfect school. New York, New York uh, is a fantastic city. And the fact that you've got pizza, you have the best area for pizza. That sold me. I love it. John, thanks for, uh, for being here today. And everyone, we have more podcasts coming out every single week. You can find us on RowersChoice.com or on